Survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Bradley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Gets his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leash to 11-under. We've got a new leader, kids. Here it is. Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going inside the ropes. Subscribe now on iTunes or your favourite podcast app or head to golf.org.au. G'day everybody, welcome to the show, it is Inside the Ropes, episode number 121, lovely to be back here again, lovely to have Mark Hayes alongside me as he always is, hello Hazy. Hello Mr. Mark. Lovely to be, you've got a big show today, we've got a heap of stuff, we're going to hear from people all over the place, we've got a very special guest in the studio to kick it off, um, uh, who we'll get to very, very shortly before that, Um, it's always a highlight when we have Michael Clayton in the studio with us, hello Clates. Good to see you. Lovely column you wrote this week too that I noticed I read the um, – I did what I not, normally don't do and read the comment section of uh, – I read one of those. It was a – yeah. They I were read, very supportive. Yeah, there In was fact, one guy, Barry Cunningham or something. He had some interesting comments. I didn't agree with them, but they were worthwhile, well, yeah. well reasoned, thinking that courses need to be narrower. But a Width is good. Width is, yeah, width is yeah. Width well, is good. Well, not, the thing that annoys me about the criticism at Yarra, which is why I wrote it. Yarra Yarra Golf Club? couple of weeks ago and the Gunner Matter course where I played last week was that all I'd heard was they're too wide and too easy. You can drive it anywhere. Drive it anywhere. Which of course you can, but you can't play the course effectively from driving it anywhere. And you've got to hit good drives. The fact you can drive it anywhere doesn't distinguish the fact that you've got to hit, you've got to drive the ball well. You've got to hit the ball through the wind. You've got to figure out which part of the fairway to go. The better you know the course, the more you understand where the slopes are so you can get the extra run where the angles are. So it's a much more nuanced course than just you can. One of the green keepers came up to me and said, the members are, some of the members are calling it the Dunamatter course. The Dunamatter where you hit it. <laughs> that was, that's so far off the mark. It's kind of clever though. And you know, credit, credit for that. Too easy. But the members, of course, have never played off the back tees. We played off the back tees. And it, I mean, it's not a scary, intimidating course like Huntingdale or New South Wales where if you miss the fairway, you in the water or you've lost your ball. Mm, mm. You're not staying on the tee like poking. But from tee to green, the clubs I hit was the three par threes. I had a hybrid, a driver, and a three wood. There were four or five par fours that were dry, two woods. I mean, it's it's not the hardest course from tee to green because it's not the scariest, but it's the, one of the most demanding courses I've ever played. So all the members all the members are walking <laughs> off having 40 points, are they? Is that well, what's happening? Yeah, <laughs> the, you know, yeah. All, the, all the 80 markers are suddenly yeah. shooting six, 74. Yeah. But... It wants you to play well. The whole point of golf and the point of the column was it wants you to play well. It doesn't want you to play pokey, narrow, confined golf, which is what Mackenzie hated. He hated that. So it's a course that encourages you to play good golf. But to score well, you've got to think about what you're doing. Well, you've done the, you've, he's done the deep dive. I shouldn't have opened the door for him. No, We're going to talk about this later on, but you pretty tec- much right. Tactical error from you, Murray. I, I know. I should have been that. better than that. Uh, Lucas, so when Lucas goes to Augusta, you'll have to figure out the same 
Conundrums. Well, you've mentioned Lucas, and that is our, he is our special guest. Lucas Michelle joins us, who is the name on everybody's uh, lips in the world of Australian golf this week. And we'll explain why in case you're listening and you don't know. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show, mate. Thanks for having me, Andy, and, uh, and the rest. The lo- a lot of people may not have even heard of the US Mid-Am, um, you know, in terms of all of the amateur events and college golf and you know, the, the global awakening to, you know, amateur events around the place and the status that they occupy. But the US Mid-Air may have been missed by some on the way through, and you've won it this week, yeah. last week. So Yeah, no, it was, a, it was obviously a great experience. So, uh, so the Mid-Air, for those that don't know, it's 25 years and older. Um, I turned 25 at the beginning of the year, so I got exempt in based on my world amateur ranking. Um, otherwise, all the people that play it, they have to do a... Um, do a qualifier to get in, but thankfully I, I could do it, just get in straight straight from Australia. So I flew in um, a few days beforehand. Colorado? Colorado, Colorado Golf yep, Club. Yep. yep. Um, so really good. It's a core and Crenshaw course. Um, actually a lot like a Melbourne Melbourne golf course. Set up really firm, really fast. Um, just a great golf course that I loved at altitude. So there was a bit to take into account when uh, when playing out there. But um, ball obviously goes, it goes about 10% further. Yep up there at the Mile High City. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I got through it all and, and played really well, and now I'm off to Augusta and the US Open. So say that, say that again. Yeah, can you yeah. say that again? Just say yeah. that again, will you? Well, it hasn't sunk in for me, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, Augusta and US Open at Wingfoot. Oh, Gee so, Awesome. That's I've been doing radio interviews around the traps mm. during the week, and, you know, I'm, I'm struggling to explain to people what the Mid-Amateur Championship it is, but mm. as soon as I get to what you just said, like, mm. you can hear the – jaws metaphorically drop like mm. wow yeah i think it, it i guess it means a lot in america because they've got quite a quite a sort of deep mid-am or amateur circuit for guys that perhaps didn't choose to turn professional so there's a lot of guys that that do play competitive golf from the ages of yeah, 25 and older to mm. i guess the senior sort of stuff um and yeah it's taken pretty seriously so there's a lot of guys that'll actually turn professional and then come back if they don't have much success and play mm. as a yeah as a returned amateur and uh, compete as well. So a lot of good players there, but um, we were sort of talking about before, it's one of the easier ways into into those big oh, majors. Still got to win it, mate. mate yeah. yeah. You still yeah. got to win it, well, you know. How long had you, how long had this event been on your radar? Probably not that long. They actually changed the uh, invitation criteria for it. So I didn't realize there was... There now is 30 spots for world amateur ranking players. So the top 30 ranked mid-amateurs. So I was about uh, 280 or something in the world on the world amateur rankings, but I was like the 11th ranked mid-amateur. And I got an email in like July saying that I was inside that top 30 mark. And then I, I guess I just sort of saw that and thought, well, this is a pretty cool opportunity. Although I did know about it last year. I did the Australian tour school last year. Um, and I missed my card and, and in the final stage and sort of decided to stay amateur for another year. And I didn't know at that time there was the mid-am, but I didn't realise I'd be exempt straight in. So Did it was you... really only in July that I found out that I'd be in and basically should play it. Yeah, it's only for the top 400, I believe, in yeah, the, the Wagger. So they changed it. It used to be the top 400, and then they changed it to the top 30 ranked mid-ams which is, it goes out to about 650 gotcha. now. So, yeah. And you're taking your medal with you everywhere. Right? Yeah, just, I brought it into the it's studio. Like, you're like Kevin Murray in the Brownlow medal. Yeah, I saw him last night. He was a legend, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Mate. What a legend. In my, in my word, he takes that with him <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. 
was, yeah. I thought he had it around. Or never takes it off. Yeah. He reckons, takes it off? Uh, he reckons the kids love it. I think I think Kevin loves it, but I think he <laughs> reckons the kids like getting photos with it. But uh, you're I taking love, it. I love this. Like, yeah. Before so we came kept... up to the studio, Lucas brought it into our office, and I'm I'm, I'm like, mm. that's awesome. It's a shame it's, it's, yeah, it's an audio track because uh, yeah. might, at best you get the jingle. Track. <laughs> well, well you, open you it up and hold it close to your microphone. I'll try and jingle it. Yeah, go on. Oh, oh, I see what you mean. No, we'll take a photo of that. That'll be on here. Did yeah. you know Rattling much away. about? I mean, looking at you, Clates, did you know much about the US Mid Am? Well, I knew it existed. The only yep. thing I knew about it was that Stuart Hagerstad, who you beat in the semi final, who played in the Walker Cup, who's the fifth ranked amateur in the world. Yeah. So yeah. he made the cut in the Masters. He's a bit of a legend. Yeah. Mm. Sort of parlayed his famous number into a pretty nice job. And. He takes a helicopter to the Hamptons instead of driving, so he's going. <laughs> he's the guy that chose not to turn professional, right? Is he? Is that yeah. the guy? Yeah. yeah. Everyone yeah. was sort of trying to get him to turn pro because he's such a good player, but yeah. he's just sort of said, "No, nah, I'm happy doing he's what just I'm got doing." Plenty. He's got plenty anyway. Well, he's not the yeah. dumbest idea. I think he's. I think his father's got a fair bit of money. Yeah. He kind of because amateur golf in America is great. There are a lot of great tournaments, you know, Pine Valley and Seminole, mm, the Crump all, Cup, all those and... great amateur tournaments. The Walker Cup's an amazing tournament. Yeah. Obviously, not for Australians, but yeah. If you're wealthy and you have a job that allows you, you can play incredibly high standard competitive golf on all the best courses. Way better than the courses of the PJ Tour. Yeah. Mm. If you want to play proper golf, you play amateur golf. Really. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but, are you, is this a pathway you're going to follow, or are you? I'm. I think I'm. My intentions are still professional golf. Yeah. yeah I, I think the plan is sort of play out um, a bunch of sort of. I should be able to get into some decent events now. I'll hopefully, get a start in the Aussie Open. There's a couple of decent ones you've already mentioned. That, yeah, uh, and then I, I get like a two-year exemption to like the US Amateur and a few other things. So there's actually a lot of cool things that come with it. Not that I might I might not use that, though. So you're 25. What? 25 now. So do so you feel like you're on the clock a bit now? A little it? bit, yeah. I mean, I took a sort of a longer approach than most. I you know, went to uni and yeah. um, did all that. And that it was a five-year degree. It took six, six years to do it. And then kind of finished up and I didn't really want to go into a real job. And my golf was still really competitive so I decided to sort of put all that uni stuff to the side and actually go full-time golf and sort of taking me a couple of years with some up and down results but I mean this is obviously a big step in the right direction. You got your master's degree right? Yeah I got a master of uh, mechanical engineering. Just an uh, average run-of-the-mill guest. very Andy. much at home amongst <laughs> did, did, the people um, in this room. How, how long it's been? Oh yeah I did um, <clears throat> At University of Melbourne, but did six months at the University of St. Andrews, which anyone who's a golfer, or if someone's got kids that are a golfer that <laughs> are thinking about going to the University of Melbourne, there is an exchange program to the University of St. Andrews. You don't pay anything out of pocket to study there, just your accommodation, and it's the best thing in the world. And hit one of the hit one of the great shots ever onto the 18th Green St. Andrews. <laughs> you so did. You, you, so, yeah. yeah. My room. One of the great, one of the greatest. Yeah, it was, it was probably the, the best, probably the best eight iron that's ever been hit into that green. Not out of your room. It was from out of my room, oh, which is three stuff. stories up on uh, Hope Street, which you can look up on Google, um, in the Macintosh Hall residence, um, out of my window, which was, I had to, I had to run a, a bit of uh, calculus to figure out how to get the ball out of the window because there was a big iron bar that I had to unscrew that was blocking the way. And if it, if it pinged off that, it would have been ricocheting around the room for about half an hour. But I undid the iron bar, opened up the window as high as it could. So I think I had, it was probably about 80 centimetres wide and about 60 centimetres high. I've got a video on my phone. Oh, but, um, we have to, we have to get hold of that, don't we? Yeah. Can we put that on Inside the Ropes? Yeah. yeah oh, you can have please. That. Let's yeah. Do I've that, never, yeah. I, so I never posted the video because I was, Intr- yeah, I, yeah. I was on, 
an RNA kind of deal. <laughs> yeah. And so I didn't want the RNA finding out, but I think it's safe now. So how, how far, once um, you've got it through so, the window, how so far? So here was, this was the, the mathematics behind yep. it all. Yep. So it was, it was about, the room was probably 10 meters up in the air. The green I measured on Google Earth, it was like 155 meters or something like that. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But it was quite cold. It was middle of winter. It was December. So you're going over Tom Morris's golf shop. I was shop. going over yeah, Octolonies. Octolonies, yeah, 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 right. And Tom, old Tom Morris's golf shop, yeah. straight over golf um, place, I think it is. Yeah. And um, the day before, I measured the height of the window with my alignment stick and put a um, like a old golf ball box on it and like pinned it to it. So I had the correct height to hit it through. Went out to the range. And then measured how far back from the alignment stick I had to be to hit it the correct height from the window. <laughs> so then I could figure out exactly how far from the window I had to be because the alignment stick matched up with the height of the window. And then I hit like five or six different shots and then, okay, figured out, okay, I need to be, I think it was like <laughs> two and a half, seven iron lengths from the window was like the right height. And then went out and hit a hit an eight iron onto the green. To how, no, how close to the pin? The question is, do we think Bryson DeChambeau could have figured this out? Well, well this is <laughs> in, in less than the Roger Bannister four minute. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Is there a chance that this could be the high point of your university mathematics uh, learnings? Maybe. Yeah, it was, it was probably the one of the more correct um I guess questions I answered. I suppose because <laughs> I got it. to be legend status. <laughs> well, and this he does one... deserve to have legend status on the green, right? Yeah. So my, I, I, we were on FaceTime, and so it was people FaceTiming from the from the green. Like there was like ten or fifteen people down there. It was the day before I left as well because I didn't want to do it yeah, before that in course. case I got caught and, and yeah, got kicked out or something. Um, so the day before I left, friends out. friends are down on the green. Friends are in the room. I hit the shot. They're relaying down. Okay, look for it. And I I thought I pulled it. And they're looking left, but apparently it landed on the back edge of the green and then um, went down there with a putter, two putted for a three and then went off. <laughs> out of all and the players. One take, one take only? There's actually, there's, a, there's another take. I'm sure you should be trying <laughs> yeah. that out of the crowd. There's another take, stuff. there's another take, but yeah, it wasn't we so successful. We won't see the yeah. other one. <laughs> yeah. So we reckon it from, the, from the crow's nest to the 18th green at Augusta no, is yeah, probably, no, it's probably less, only about 100 metres. Probably less appropriate. <laughs> not sure that's probably a good yeah, idea. Probably, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that one won't be happening, actually. So I, um, Bravo to you. That's a great yeah, story. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's so many things to ask you about, but the crow's nest is one that I did want to touch mm. on because there's been a heap of almost half pros as amateurs go there in the last few years, who have reneged on that chance? I'm imagining, mm, no. you know, a little bit knowing you that that's something that's high on your bucket list to live yeah, there for a week. Definitely. I mean, that that's such a cool opportunity. No one gets to live in the clubhouse of Augusta National. Like that's <laughs> that's crazy. So yeah, I'm definitely going to be taking that up. I'll, I'll hang out with my friends and family as much as I can, but yeah, and experience also, yeah. and experience that with them. But like, yeah, see, I'm going yeah, back to the nest. See you guys. Yeah, I'm off. <laughs> so how many how many people will be sh- like sharing those digs throughout? The masters, the friends and family. No, 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 no. no. At, at the at, at the crisis, yeah. I don't know. Like, how many? How many? They sort get, of bunk it in and out. I don't know. I don't well, know. I've well, heard that two US amateur finalists, right? British yeah. amateur finalist is the mid amateur. I think the British am winner. Yeah, the two, two finalists are the US amateur, amateur. Yeah. and me and yeah, that might That'll be it. And yeah, Asian am. Yeah, Latino am. Probably eight amateurs. It must be like fairly sizable. Have you been there yet? Have you been there before? No. Oh my God, you've yeah. got... I know, it's the sort of place you're like, oh, I'll get there one day and go watch it. And now I'm like, two weeks later, I was thinking about that. And now I'm like playing it, like in six months, whatever it is. But <laughs> I, I'm sure you've got stories to tell us about this, Lucas, but mm. Andy, Lucas is the 
absolutely the sort of bloke who researches <laughs> all the places he goes to and, and mm. you're full of knowledge about design and yeah. history and all that sort of stuff. So it, was, it could not be like yeah. winged foot. Ah, oh, winged foot as well. I wore that winged foot jumper as well in the, in the, in the uh, final of the... Um, That's where the US Open is next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. wore that yeah. jumper in the final of the um, mid-am as well in the morning because it was cold and I had this winged foot jumper that I decided to pull on. Uh, Tempting fate. Yeah, like I was that. sort of flexing a bit to the guy that, <laughs> that I was playing against and then he popped on his Canadian Open, RBC Canadian Open that he played in the oh. before. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we're both yeah. trying to... So how did the final match, two and one, you won the final. How did the match yeah. kind of play out? I mean, for anyone that watches scores, they probably would have seen I was down the majority of the day. Um, I think I was one up through three, and that was the last time mm. I held the lead until the 33rd, potentially. Um, yeah, it was it was a tough day. He played he played really well. He hit it really solidly. This is Duraney? Yeah, Joe Duraney. Yep, he hit it great. Um, he definitely struck the ball better than I did. Um but all day I was just putting the dots off it. I was mm. just putting so well. It had been all week as well. It was the putting that really held me in the comp. Um, and yeah, just I guess the putter just kept kept going for me. I hold a like a twelve footer on the fifteenth for birdie to go one up, and that was the first time I really let my emotions kind of out and thought, okay, I've got a chance of winning this. And then um, sixteen, I birdied as well. It was a split fairway hole, actually quite a really kind of strategic golf hole. Um, if you go down the right, it's like a three wood, but it's considerably shorter. But if you go down the left, it's much wider, but it's very hard to hit the green in two from there. So I took the risky option, went down the right, um, hit the green with a six iron, and then Joe, he went down the left with driver, couldn't hit the green, couldn't hold it from the left and hit it into the bunker. And he made par and made birdie. So I went two up with two to play. And yeah, then, right. Those greens looked, as you said before, yeah. like they were rock hard. They were so fast. What do you yeah. think they were running? I mean, there was a lot of slope on them, so they probably weren't as quick as they okay. seemed, but I would have said they were at least 13. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's getting up there. 12, 12 and a half, 13 at least. Yeah. With, with the amount of slope on them, they were, they were nuts. So do you want to – feel free not to answer this question at all because you probably know what I'm going to ask you. Yeah. But there's, you know, there, was, there was drama on the 17th where you ended up – when you mm. match the 35th hole, because I'll let you talk about it because yeah. I won't put any words in your mouth. Yeah, no, I'll explain what happened. So yeah. um, the 17th was a par three down the hill. I was dormy two, two up with two to play. And we both hit the green. I hit it to about 30 feet and he hit it to probably 12 feet. Um, I rolled my 30 footer to about three and a half feet right of the hole. I just sort of misjudged the break a bit. And then he missed... So he, he basically had the 12-footer to keep the match kind of going. to like Definitely keep the match going. He had it for birdie to win the hole to go to the next, basically. He missed that to like a foot. I gave him the putt. And then he started walking over towards me, taking his hat off. But I still had three and a half feet left. So I was like, hold on, like, what's, what's happening here? And then the crowd starts sort of cheering because they think he's conceding the hole. And um, walks over to me and like puts his, extends his hand out. And I grab his hand and I'm thinking, like, does he realize what he's doing? Like, he's giving me the hole and he says, oh, no, like, I'm going to make you putt this. Like, good luck, putt, hole it or something like so that. So he wasn't intending to shake your hand? So, no, he, well, he extended his hand yeah. to shake it. Like, he 100% was intending to Cap shake off, it. off, putting the hand out to yeah, shake your hand. Yeah, but, like, it was, I think it was 
Gamesmanship? I, yeah, I thought it was gamesmanship. At the time, I was like, what is I, I was so confused by what was going on that I yeah. didn't really think about it. Then the USGA asked me afterwards, and I was like, yeah, I think he got confused by the length of the part or maybe the situation. But then the more I thought about it, the more I realized, well, he didn't give me the three and a half footer in the first place. If he, if he, if it was, you know, good, he would have given it to me then. And then just the way it went down, the more I thought about it, I was like, no, he was trying to definitely try and yeah. miss that part. Didn't the USGA trophy guy walk onto the guy? Yeah, the, step on the, the USGA guy was like running towards me with the trophy when, <laughs> when it happened. Wow. Um, so you had to make the putt. And then, yeah, he said, I, I actually had to shout at people. I said, no, 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 the putt's not good. The putt's not good. I've got to putt it. Because the crowd was basically to the point of congratulating me. Lucas isn't going to say this, but I will. That's a disgrace. <laughs> that is a disgrace. Clates? Yeah, no, yeah. What's well, bizarre? Mm. That's the most bizarre behaviour I've ever heard. I mean, mm. to the point where you'd be told to ask the USA, say to the USJ guy, he sat up and shook my hand. I mean, is that yeah. not conceding the match? It's conceding the match. Yeah. <laughs> would have thought that the hat off, you can, oh, I was disappointing. I missed the birdie putt. But once you put your hand out, that's. No one walks. No one mm. ever walks directly to their opponent. No, with it was the almost, match still with the shot still to be played. You kind of try to play it off as like I'm going to shake your hand to wish you good luck for the putt that you got a hole, which yeah. was like so ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> so putt dead center, just not never, quite. No. <laughs> I, <laughs> so had, getting your head back in the game must have been a bit of a challenge. Yeah, I, the, my caddy came over and we sort of talked about it, and he said like, just you know, recenter, re, mm. you know, just rethink and just hold it and. I mean, it was definitely like, it definitely paused the, the, it sort of stopped time and I had to like reassess oh, things. Yeah. And then I'm obviously starting now to think about all the consequences of missing the putt and as, as well. So it would have been better for me to be able to just walk in and roll it in without all of that happening. You can see on the video, Andy, of the, that the USJ put out, because your caddy we might talk about in a second, Will, mm. Will Davenport. Yeah, Will Davenport. Yeah. You just ran to him and yeah. almost at the um, point of deliberately ignoring your opponent. Yeah. And, it, it, when you first watch that, it, without having that information that you just relayed, it's like, well, that's odd because you're nothing if not a polite and yeah. Normally, player. I'm a pretty you know, relaxed kind of guy. I would have definitely sh- shaken his hand first and then gone off and celebrated. Already shaking well. your hand, mate. I'll go and tell you. Wait, we'd already had, we'd already had our handshake um, on the last. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that obviously. I think it increased the excitement of, of holding yeah, that part. Yeah, I bet it did. Yeah. So tell us about Will Davenport. I mean, I'm sure he's going to listen to this at some stage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Will is a friend of mine. He he worked a, a year down in Melbourne. He's originally from uh, Florida, but he worked down a, a year down in uh, the Melbourne office for Boston Consulting Group. And I met him at the Box Hill Open <laughs> Amateur Championship. And we played together and we got along really well. I took him out to... A, I think it was a guest day at Metro and we played together and then um, he went back home after his year of uh, a transfer and then I met him again. We played golf up in Philly because he was doing his, his grad st- grad school up there um, and then we played golf there and then I went back last uh, this year and played golf with him again up at, he, he went to Yale, so I played with him at the course at Yale and then, yeah, we just got along really well. He qualified in his own right to play in the mid-amateur, so he's 26 he qualified in back home in Philly and then we met down, met up again down in Denver for the mid-am and he actually got knocked out. He, he made the match play and got knocked out by Stuart Hagerstad. Yeah. Um, so when he got knocked out, he saw that I was carrying my own bag in the match play and he, uh, he said, oh, you can't be doing that. Like you got to have a caddy because I was going to probably get a caddy if I made it to probably the quarters, mm. um, but was kind of happy carrying my own bag mm. until then. 
but he said, "Oh no 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 no, I'm jumping on the bag." So yeah, um, yeah he uh, he was a great guy. So what do you do between now and Augusta? What, what's the have you kind of mapped something out, or is it just life business as usual for you? And yeah, it's just playing and practicing yeah. and working and kind of just doing what I was doing beforehand. So yeah, yeah I, I I work at just a golf driving range, um, caddy a little bit at Royal Melbourne, and then yeah. play all the golf course, I can on the side. From here, a thirty thousand dollar exercise, really. Yeah, to that. play the US Open, Australian Open, Augusta. In terms of the cost to go and well, do you it. want to go to Augusta in March. You want to play. Mm. You don't want to play your first round of Augusta on Monday of the tournament. Mm. So you, mm. you normally go there before that, and mm. you know it's not a cheap no. way to go and mm. play these things. So no doubt there'll be some funding coming <laughs> your way. Hopefully, I, I I know you hinted at it before, but I can actually confirm for you, and I wanted to get your reaction to this. Mm-hmm. I, Trevor Hurden told me that I could tell you this on air. Okay. You are officially in the Australian Open too. So Yeah. No, that's great. I know that oh, you half awesome. know that, but well yeah. done. No, thank you. That's awesome. Good. That's great. Because yeah. I, I, I kind of knew through John Hopkins, who's a um, good friend from back at Lake Karen Up days. Yep. Um, so that's that's awesome to hear it officially. Oh, they, we've, I've yeah. had my lunch cut by oh, the ex-chairman. No, yeah. already, cat's already out of the bag, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. Oh, that's good. That's great. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah, Trevor said, you know, you tell him he's, he's in. So, I mean. Okay, that's awesome. Because it's, it's a great. That's a great thing in itself. Yeah. I mean, that's something. Yeah, that's I've never played an Australian Open, yeah. so it's that's a tremendous honour. I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. Um, yeah. Three times, three time back to back to back, uh, interstate series champion, Andy. Yeah. Okay, so I was going to yeah. ask whether you, whether winning's been something that you become accustomed to through your amateur ranks. Whether you've been a little bit, I probably haven't won that much. I won the won the like Port Phillip amateur in yep. 2017. A lot of great players won that tournament. But thank you, Michael. Yeah, there you yeah. Go. Mike, Mike, in a couple of years you won it, didn't you? Multiple, well, wasn't it? Well, I won it a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's actually a great, that's an example of, you know, Commonwealth and Kingston, two of the best courses in the country. It was a, mm. That's a great tournament. It's been a great tournament for 45 years. Yeah, amateur golf. And it's a great example of how good amateur golf can be when yeah. you play two courses like that. And like, I've, I've played in my amateur golf. Like, I, I've always tried to travel around and play as much sort of good tournaments as I can. And you go out and you play, like, the Walton Heath Trophy at Walton Heath, and you play the North of Ireland at Portrush, and you go play the, you know, the French Stroke play at Chantilly, and you, you get to play all the best venues in golf. It's, it's like, this it's is good. like the the Clates travelogue that he's. Is it, so is this the family? I mean, Clates talked about the cost. Is this mm. the family and yourself have been kind of just yeah. cobbling together what you need? Yeah, to get pretty this much. Done? Yep. Yeah, pretty much. Like, it's effectively yeah, me working and and. Have you sat down at some stage, and you're obviously a man who measures things up, and mm. have you worked out how much? It's cost you to this point? I haven't actually. I kind of just kind of plot along as I go and yeah. try and find the funds where I yeah. can, and <laughs> it yeah. kind of it kind of all eventually kind of just scrapes by, and yeah, I, I get, get in. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's been I guess a pretty expensive oh, endeavor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, family have been supportive of it, and um, they try it as best they can. And yeah. Well, it's a hell of a story. Um, mm. You're going to stick around for the rest of the show, yeah, uh, which is fantastic. Yep. Um, and we've got a heap of stuff we're going to talk about. We're going to bowl up a whole lot of audio on the other side of the break. We're going to catch up with the Australian, <laughs> the Blind Australian Open champion a bit later on in the show. Um, so there's a heap of stuff to get through. And I do want to expand on um, your column. I think okay. I think it's worth. I know you sort of. Spent a few pennies early, but it's worth revisiting that a bit later on. Uh, so there's a lot to get through on Inside the Ropes. Lucas Michelle, our very special guest in the studio. More after this short break. Hi, I'm Minji Lee, and I'm proud to be an ambassador for MyGolf, Australian Golf's national junior program. One of my favourite things about coming back to Australia is seeing all the kids getting into golf. 
My Golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about fun and friendship, learning golf and life skills in a safe and healthy environment. Sir, if your child is between 5 and 12 years old, be sure to find a program near you at mygolf.org.au. Welcome back to the show. It is Inside the Rose. There's a fair bit to get through this second scene. We're going to be all over the journey. You're going to hear some voices talk about some results and plug a few bits and pieces on the way through as well, Hazy. Yeah, let's start with a plug first. Um, Greg Oford's got my uh, extremities on a, on a rack here. Yeah, well, if I don't you better this. look after him then. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to just let everyone know that the, uh, Golf Australia has just launched a competition. It's jam-packed with prizes, and it's called Swing Into Spring. It's all over the GA website. So uh, entrants are given the chance to win uh, one of three $1,000 Drummond golf vouchers and the chance to instantly win one of 20 three-month KO basic subscriptions where you can stream over 50 sports live and on demand. So get involved. A lot of great prizes. Uh, the website is winwithgolfaustralia.com.au. Does it involve Chromecasting? Uh, there could be a Chromecasting lesson involved, so get along and have a look. Winwithgolfaustralia.com.au. You, you know all about Chromecasting, wouldn't you, Lucas? That'd be right up your alley. I actually don't have one of those. I don't even know what you need. Yeah. Clates, you'd be are you a yeah. Chromecaster, right? Yeah. I think. Uh, Asian Asian Pacific Amateur. There's some there's some information and news. Oh yeah, well it's the it's. Um, had, had it not been for Lucas winning it, finding another way into the uh, the crow's nest. We would have been looking at this as our as our best chance mm. to potentially send someone. This is the annual tournament, the Australia, the Asian Amateur Asia Pacific Amateur Championship. I've got that wrong. Um, uh, it's in China this week, um, the traditional th- Thursday to Sunday time slot. And we, as always, send a, a ripping strong six man mm. team across to compete in this. And the winner of this tournament will get into the Masters and and go and um, have a have, have a sleepover in the crow's nest <laughs> with Lucas. Um, I think there's also prizes now attached to the Open Championship too. I think you might get through to the final qualifying, final qualifying, yeah, right, yeah, in in England, which yeah. is great, uh, or Scotland, wherever it might be. Um, but the Australian team, as ever, as I say, is really strong, um, led by. David Michaluzzi and Blake Windred, the two highest ranked, both have been in the top 10 in the last uh, little while, and I think uh, Micka still clearly is. I'm not sure if Winnie's just might have dropped one out. Uh, Jack Thompson from South Australia, uh, a really talented young guy on the rise, I'd say, Lucas. Yeah, no, he's one of the best out there. Yep. Yeah. Um, Carl Phillips, we've spoken a lot of on the podcast from, from WA, uh, obviously based in Florida. Uh, Kyle Michelle from uh, no, no Relation of Yours, also a Victorian teammate. And Nathan Barbieri, who was um, runner-up at the Aussie Am and, and just a really feisty competitor. Summer. He had a great summer. He really had. I mean, it's a yeah. strong team again, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. No, it's, it's, they're going to do well. I'm, I'm, I'm sure uh, it's been a couple of years since we've had a guy right up at the top, but I think uh, these we've guys... Had, we've consistently yeah. had people, you know, chasing down the title on the Sunday, but we haven't mm. had a winner since Curtis Luck when, mm. he, when he rolled Brett Coletta. So... Mm. Um, and he was already in it, so it was kind yeah, of a bit yeah. of a waste, really. Yeah, it was, wasn't <laughs> it? He won the US Amateur, so he was. Yeah, he got the stole Brett's well, spot two ways. <laughs> yeah, and that was in career um, probably three years ago now, I want to say. And mm. um, we've had a couple of really good chances. Uh, Shay Wolves Cobb has led it for a while, I mean, and Min Wu's led it for yeah, a while. Yeah. And you know, I think I, I, it would surprise me if one of the well, one of one of the six, but. Particularly Michaluzzi and Windred. I don't not discounting the others' chances no, at no, all. No. Um, but they've been there before. They've seen it. They've experienced it, and they know the competitors, the primary competitors, 
um, Takumi Kanaya again, and yeah. all the guys that you've, you've competed yeah. with from Japan in the yeah. in the amateur series recently. Kata yeah. Nakajima, he knocked me out in the round one of the uh, Aussie amateur. Yeah, six straight holes, I think, on me. Yeah, that works. That <laughs> yeah. And there's, who's that Indian guy, young guy? Um, I've forgotten his name right now. That's pathetic that I even mentioned it. But he's he's a he's a ripping talent too. Yeah. Um, but they Winnie and Mika both are really familiar with their competitors and the environment. So. I really hope they all played it a few times as well. Haven't yeah, they, they have. Yeah, um, it's so. not their first dance. The other yeah. four, um, Thompson, Phillips, Barbarian, and um, Kyle Michelle, uh, all newcomers to the Asia Asia Pacific Amateur. But um, the top two have been there, and I'd really be surprised if they didn't give it a shout at some stage. Well, we'd be expecting to see China's emerging in the men's game. Are we going to? Will we be expecting to see a couple of Chinese players the, bob up? Was that last year the Chinese got the left hander? Did he win? Where, that was oh, a, one in Wellington. Two years ago. Wellington. Two, two years, years ago. He's an unbelievable player. And he's yeah. back in the field this year. Yeah. Okay. A couple of the guys from China who were um, part of that trifecta that Clay just mentioning at Royal Wellington a couple of years ago, um, they're back, they've turned pro, but he's still there, Lin Yushin. Okay. Yeah. So it's going to be a big week, and we had the good opportunity for our good man, Justin Falconer, who uh, has had the – he's at the winning ticket, Andy, to go over to China for the week. He's getting some good gigs, this kid. He is. He's cutting my lunch. Yeah, he's absolutely is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gone over, and he's, I think he's had the chance. I haven't heard the audio as we speak, but I think he's had the chance to catch up with David Michaluzzi and Blake Windrett. All right, thanks, Hazy. We're here at the 2019 Asian Pacific Amateur Championship at uh, Sheshan International in China. I'm here with our – Top two ranked boys in the world rankings, Dave Michaluzzi, number four currently, and Blake Widrant, who's up to number 11 now, uh, entering this week. They're two of the hot fancies going into the tournament. Main threat's probably Japan, China, uh, the Korean boys as well. But uh, starting with both of you, how does it feel? Start with you, Dave. How does it feel sort of coming into a tournament? You've been doing it a lot this year as one of the favourites. You've been in the top five in the rankings for quite a long time. Does it doesn't play on your mind too much, or does it feel any different playing golf like that? No, not at all. Um, It did early on. Um, uh, with uh, a lot of like media commitments and all that, trying to kind of um, provide time to practice and all that, and trying to actually schedule practice before I actually get here. Um, today, I feel like I've done a pretty good job of that. Um, yeah, I feel there's there's no pressure on me this week. Um, and if I don't win, I turn pro the week after. So um, yeah, go. Hopefully, go go deep and, and win. If I don't, and I'll I'll be happy either way. We'll come to the turning pro in a second, but Winnie, just on that sort of note as well, you. As Dave mentioned in your press conference that you just did earlier, you came here last year. It was your first time at the Asian Amateur. You were 55th in the world rankings and you were Australia's sixth of six ranked player. But this year you're number two and you're at number 11. Does it feel any different coming here this week as a one of the shorter favourites and sort of compared to coming here on your debut last year and just trying to get the experience? Yeah, well, um, it's funny because I, I just feel so much more um, confident and that I obviously belong here a lot, a lot uh, more. Um, but yeah, no. I last year was a bit of a taste test. I wish I played um, a little bit better, but you know that's what this year's for. And um, I'm, I'm swinging it good. I'm, I'm rolling it good. And this course is just absolutely outstanding. The the rough, um, the grandstands out here. Hopefully, we get some um, nice little crowds out here too. So, and the competition now, as we said, we've got the China. I've got ten blokes playing this year, and Japan are always strong. Mika, I know you've had a few battles with. Takumi and Kaden Nakajima as well in the last few years. Is that sort of rivalry with those guys, the Asian countries, sort of get the competitiveness going a bit? I know you and Kaden have had some great battles. The Australian Open last year, you were yeah. joint low am. So does that help a bit, having guys like that around that you're trying to go up against? 100%. Um, we're all 
we all want the same thing. So um, seeing Takumi get up to number one in the world at, at one point, I was up at number two. Like I wanted, wanted to get that number one spot, <laughs> and then he got it. And then obviously with uh, me and Kata in the last probably two years of the Aussie Am final and then Aussie Open as well, yeah, just push, pushing each other along. We don't even know. We don't probably don't even realise we're doing it. But, like, it looks like from the out, outside looking in that, that yeah, we are pushing each other. But, we, yeah, we don't we don't feel it. But, yeah, it's, it's good fun. It's good fun. They're good guys as well, which which helps. And, yeah, just looking forward to playing with, playing with them again and competing again, against them. And, Winnie, uh, Mickey, you played with Lucas Michelle on two interstate winning series teams for Victoria the last couple of years. Not this year, but the previous two. Uh, Winnie, seeing him win the mid-am last week, in in America and now winning a spot at the Masters and the US Open. That's obviously on the line this week, a spot in the Masters and the British Open. Does that sort of give you a bit of motivation to see some one of your mates already be in the field and thinking, sort of dreaming about what might be possible? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm just so happy for him. Um, Yeah, what a week. Um, It'd be great to join him, um, stay in the clubhouse together. I've got it all planned, but um, (laughs) no, it would be awesome. Um, Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's just another thing to... Um, kind of motivate you. I mean, to be honest, I don't really need motivating. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it would be good to join him at the Masters and um, a few of them other ones, yeah. And as you mentioned, Mika, this is kind of the last hurrah, most likely for you two, yep. unless you win, hopefully, fingers crossed. But if that doesn't eventuate and you don't get those starts in the Masters and the USAM, are you thinking of turning pro? Or yeah, is that literally straight after. I, um, if, yeah, if I, if I don't win, I've basically committed to... WAPJ, Vic PJ, Aussie Open, and Aussie PJ for the rest of the year. So, um, got a little schedule, which is which is kind of cool. With obviously no no status anywhere. So, um, yeah, fortunately, like um, my manager Ben, he's doing doing a great job with Gavin Kirkman at the PJ and trying to organise all this stuff for me. And yeah, I can't thank him enough. And same to you, Winnie. You're thinking the same thing. He's mentioned earlier that it's sort of like a free hit. Obviously, there's a, still a lot to play for this week, but uh, sort of loosen it up a bit and hopefully win and stay in a bit if not you'll turn a pro too yeah exactly um obviously yeah I, like i said i feel like it's a free run at it um with kind of nothing to lose and just everything to gain from it um obviously yeah that's that's the goal to win and i mean if if you weren't to win um yeah go to european tour school and try and try and get a tour card and hopefully come back and play the aussie open and and that if i'm lucky enough so um yeah i feel like i'm in a great position and just feel Quite, quite good mentally, actually. So, um, yeah, it should be a good week. Well, boys, hopefully one of you is still amateur after this week because that means one of you will have lifted the silverware. But if not, uh, congratulations on great amateur careers and good luck this week. Yeah, I can't Cheers. wait to win and Legend. cut all your hair off, Justin. <laughs> yeah, we didn't shake on it. We'll talk about it. <laughs> all right, back to you, Hazy. It's a more crazy uh, audio. We're going to jam into this eclectic segment, Andy. Um, Bryson DeChambeau was on a global teleconference this morning, being Tuesday, uh, talking about uh, multiple things, but primarily coming to Australia to play the President's Cup. Um, he had some interesting things to say. He, he was talking about um, you know, the potential for you know to have a match play event scheduled before such events. He was talking about um, his... Memories of playing Royal Melbourne at the Master of the, Master of the Amateurs, which yep. he did pretty successfully. I think he was in the top two or three. Yeah, he was pretty up there, I think. Was it 2014-ish? Yeah, it was that year he... I think it was the, was the same year he played the Oz Masters. Or was that the year um, that was, So that was 2015. He talked yeah. about that with Pete Senior at Huntingdale. I think it might have been a bit year earlier. Before, yeah, maybe. 
Um, but yeah, I think, you know, five years ago, he, he was playing on the West Coast at Royal Melbourne. He's got very strong memories of it. Um, but the really interesting thing I found from it, Andy, was his, uh, how the teams were going to come together when the Americans roll down in December. I, I think that, um, you know, voicing my opinions a little bit more, uh, being included into the team a little, just a little bit more will be, be helpful. I'm, I'm more comfortable now, I would say, in regards to team events. You know, it was my first time. I didn't know what to say or do or whatever. Um, but as I look back on it, um, you know, and people told me, you know, people said you should have spoke up man if you had some beliefs and thoughts you know that's the reason why you're on the team and you know so hopefully you know as i get down there and see the golf course see people's games see how we could best fit the team you know together i can hopefully help you know be a part of that i obviously don't have the same experience but i've been on the losing side of teams um every single time internationally uh when it comes to match play events you know Ryder cup walker cup arnold palmer cup and i've seen every single time the reason why we don't succeed is because uh, either two things. One, we aren't comfortable with the golf course and the way it plays. Or two, we just don't match up games together very well or golf games together, you know, so how a player plays compared to someone else and how they, you know, like to hit certain shots. And, you know, for alternate shots, incredibly important um, a format you got to do well in. And you just got to fit games together really well. So who is it that you think you fit with? Well, I, I don't know. That's the thing, you know, is, is that we got to get down there and see what's going on and talk with different people and really uh, have, have a lot of conversation uh, down there about what would work best for what they're comfortable with. A lot of it's a comfort level thing, you know. I, I, as I see it, the people have to be comfortable hitting the shot. If they aren't comfortable hitting the shot, there's no reason for them to do that, you know, or to put, put them in a place where they have to do that. You know, you want people to be comfortable. It's as uncomfortable as it is to – to play for, for your team, for your country, and uh, you, you have to be as comfortable as possible and make the other player feel like you got their back. And, and so you know, I think as we get down there, I'll, I'll, I'll find out who, who fits, you know, my game best and vice versa. You know, uh, I don't necessarily know as of right now. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, anybody that hits it, I would say pretty dang far and uh, can put it pretty well. Um, you know, I'm kind of an, I would say, average player in every facet. So, you know, you can really somewhat fit everybody to me, but I need somebody that's going to make, um, you know, make sure they aren't hitting it necessarily out of play or, or even, no, I shouldn't say that. I would actually say that, that I would like to have somebody that takes a little bit more risk. I think that would be kind of fit my game because I know I can get in play. I know I can do the, the due diligence to make par or do whatever, uh, no matter what, because I am pretty consistent with ball striking. So. I would say somebody that's pretty cool. aggressive and likes being aggressive and likes having the comfort of saying you can rely on the team or the, the um, uh, other player when they need to. So there's the strategy that um, Bryson DeChambeau thinks is going to be important for him to get the best out of himself. Lucas, you being an engineering major, mm-hmm. are you, and you've told the story in the first yeah, segment, yeah, are you at all interested in the way he goes about this particularly? Yeah, yeah I, think he, I think he's got a pretty good approach about it. It's definitely like definitely a scientific approach and he believes absolutely without a shadow of a doubt that everything he's saying is true. So I think that's an important element of being a good player. You need to really trust yourself and believe in what you're saying. And I think he tries to back that up with science. So, I mean, it's, I take a sort of similar sort of approach myself. I'm probably, probably try to play with a bit more flair maybe, but you know, I mean, I think, I think what he, what he does is, is sort of a way to get, I guess, give himself confidence and, 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 
by proving it with science, he feels that he, he can be more confident in what he's doing. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so we wait to see him come down here. Mm. Rory McIlroy has also been involved in a pretty broad um, and wide-ranging conversation. Who's Carson Daly? I, I, I don't you, – you'd like to know who this Carson Daly fella is. Who's Carson Daly he's in the world? He's in America. Yeah, he's probably one of those famous. I don't know what he is. He's some – we could Google him, I suppose. But, yeah, he's uh. – He's, he's involved in a lot of yeah. podcasts. And, he's one and of those guys we should know who he is, but Robert we don't care right. and don't so, need to know. And, yeah. <laughs> so Rory's had he's a, never heard of Mike Willisy or... No, no, no. You know, That's a good Kerry O'Brien. Or, I was getting nervous you know, about Kerry not knowing. Kerry O'Brien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew Bolt. Uh, well, well, you don't need to know about him. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they do a podcast. <laughs> Rory does a podcast with, with Carson. Yep. Um, and it's actually, strangely enough, Andy, I think it's actually called the Rory and Carson Podcast, yeah, Rory and Carson podcast. They really went to depth on the marketing plan there. Um, So Rory uh, was talking about a whole range of issues, as you'd expect. But uh, he was he brought up the possibility of uh, different events being played at at courses on a constant basis on the majors, but also uh, the possibility of an Australian event being included in something that resembled a global swing. So my my only thing is. Why do you think the Masters has become the the most coveted tournament in golf? Absolutely, it goes back to the same venue every year. You know the holes, you and, know the sounds, and, you know and people that that stays with people. And yes, East Lake isn't the most um, aesthetically pleasing course on TV because it's Bermuda and it's August, and there's not much definition. Um, but I think there's something to be said for, I, I would love the, the open championship to be played at St. Andrews every year. I would love the, the U S open to be played at Pebble beach every year. I would love to go back to the same venues because that's what creates legacies and history. And, and, you know, I, I think that's what Augusta have done so well. So, um, I wouldn't be a fan of that, but I, I, I would like to, so for me, I would like to see one of the West coast events elevated in some way, WGC or, you know, something that, that stays like at a, at a high position. And I'd also like to see something in the Southern hemisphere get elevated, a South African open or an Australian open mm. or something that like means something to the world of golf. Like because, a third crown jewel of the PGA tour, you're saying, so yeah, the players, the tour championship and X event, something and something that makes it a little more international, something that we can go down in December and play. And it's, it, it means something I, I'd, I'd like to see that. So there's a couple of questions off the back of this. If he, if he loves the idea of a tournament down in the Southern Hemisphere so much, why don't he and all the other blokes just come down and play golf down here a bit more often? And Bryson was saying before how much he loved Australia they too. They all love so. to stay, they play in Australia, but they love it so much they need a million dollars to induce them to come here. <laughs> it's a good idea though, isn't it? Just play the all future Open Championships well, at St Andrews and all all future US idea. Opens at Pebble. Just so the story gets greater? No, because the, 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 the beauty of... <laughs> Golf versus tennis is the tennis court's a flat square. Sure, the clay, grass, and hard court, they're marginally, they're wildly different, but golf's a bit of architecture. And you, you need to go to different bits of architecture because some courses favour certain players, other courses favour other different players. Mm-hmm. So, Seve, for example, could win at Augusta, Royal Melbourne, and St Andrews, but he couldn't win at Oakmont or Wingfoot because that didn't, mm-hmm. Nick Fallow or Curtis Strange, that, that's what suited their games. So golf needs golf's mm. great thing is the variety of the fields of play. So why would you want to restrict it to? You, you blokes have taken the machete to him. I love the fact that he wants to put the Australian Open 
into the mix of a global swing and get well, people down here. Is he come play it? Is yeah. he playing this year? No, but he wants the, he wants the tournament to become part of a global well, swing. Well, and you guys and are it. talking about bloody what you know what, well, uh, what nature should, strip they're playing on. He should come and play it. Well, he he might at least he's come down. At least he's actually been true yeah. to his word at some stage yeah. in the past decade. Rory got he got an invite as an amateur in. 2006, Paul McNamee, tournament Paul ran. Paul gave mm. him an invite because Paul knew. Well, there was a connection because Paul obviously, Tennis knew Caroline Wozniacki. My former coach, Andrew Pitt, actually played with him that, that Pity? Year. Yeah, Pitty played with him, I think, in the first two rounds. Did he really? Yeah. yeah. He's he's did, tell him, did he tell him up? I can't remember. You'd have to ask him. I can't, I can't remember. Speaking <laughs> of single venues and great tournaments, the sixth biggest tournament in the world now is the British PGA. Wentworth, that was an amazing. Yeah, it was yeah, incredible. Yeah, great crowds. Yeah, enormous crowds. Enormous crowds. Great, great field. Yeah, it was always yeah. a good tournament, but now yeah. it's what's this, know, what's the fifth biggest well, players? players oh, okay, yeah. God, yeah. So that that's golf six. It's kind of like with majors. Event now. Majors like it's kind of the same concept as majors having like an identity, isn't it? Really, like it's yeah. like you want a, a tournament to have an identity, and if you're changing the course all the time, then. It can be hard to... So that does help, doesn't it? I mean, that, that helps yeah. That helps that tournament. My first you know. British PGA was the first time that tournament had gone to... 1984. Yeah. It was the first time they'd played at Wentworth. And they've been there for however many years since. And it was always a tremendous tournament. But I, I was watching on TV. I was amazed at, one, the quality of the field, and two, the... I don't love what they've done to the golf course, but the crowds were enormous. So you're happy for that one to stay at Wentworth, but not Pebble Beach? Well, it's not a major. It's a British PGA. <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, mate. Yeah. You, 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 I, I, I mean, I think the Open, it's our Open, should go around the country. Yeah. Oh, it should be at Lake Karen up in Royal Queensland, Royal Adelaide and mm. Kingston Heath and Gil Hans's new Royal Sydney, which is great. They voted for the members, finally voted to do that. 80%, I think, vote. So Gil's going to fix Royal Sydney, which will be tremendous. Is he going to have carte blanche now? Yep, hopefully. Well, they'd be silly if they didn't because he's such a great architect. You might just give him a free hit and let him fix it. So I'm yeah. sure Royal Sydney's going to be one of the best courses in the country once he's done with that. should mention that Danny Willett um, produced his best to win that tournament on yeah, the weekend. You, you would assume John Rahm would have won that. but Yeah, he, Willett sort yeah. Of pulled away from me on the fourth, on the final round. So There was an see. incredible statistic that they, the, the commentators went with at some point there in the last 15 or 20 years about uh, there's been 10 times an Englishman and a Spaniard had been tied for the halfway lead and only once had the, the British guy gone on to win. There you go. So it well, was... always playing against Seville. <laughs> well, that's true. It goes against who <laughs> they were saying. I was like you. I expected Ram to, to go on, but good effort by Danny Willard. He's on the way back. Just before, before I talk about members and how they're reacting to changes to their courses, um, we, Sebastian Munoz, we, talked, we were talking about Carlos Ortiz a fortnight ago on this show and the fact that he's starting to get himself into... Were we, t- were we talking about Carlos Ortiz? Uh, Joachim Neiman. Joachim Neiman we were. So there's all these guys from Central America all of a sudden who are starting to put their name... Is, is Juan Sebastian Munoz, is he starting to put his name into Ernie Els type consideration? By default he has to be, but I think he's, 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 he's coming from a long way back, but he's, he's making be around. Lucas. These caddies are all Melbourne. He knows how to play the course. <laughs> Would you be able to take a call from Ernie Els? I could take a call, yeah. Take a call, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if hey, I could tee it up Lucas, on that. <laughs> how would you go round. under that pressure? Yeah, I don't know. It'd be probably like I was tapping in that three-footer pretty, pretty <laughs> stressfully. Yeah. He's going well, this bloke. Like he's, yeah. The last six or seven starts, he's, he's making a lot of big cuts and he's – 
You're turning your nose and up. He's got a few, no, he's got a few blokes to pick from. Ishi Carl yeah. has had a great run since the Open and won twice. And I think Neiman's in front of him and I think Rio Sung Jae Im, well, he lost the player, but he's a certainty to make it, isn't he? I would think. Yeah. Well, Sung Jae Im and, and Ben Arm are both in that conversation yeah. too. So yeah. Ernie asked for guys to be playing well, and I know that you know the top Americans aren't playing, but they're starting to flex their muscle a bit here, so that's good. Mm. How's Jason Day going? Is he certainly for a pick or is he, what's, what's his deal, do we think? We're almost certain he'll get picked. When was the last time he played well? Well, I've read the most extraordinary column in the Golf Australia magazine from uh, John from, from Huggy. Yeah. Didn't he give Jason Day both barrels? If you want Go to... on, I haven't read it yet. Oh, he's just gone whack, whack. He's criticised him for his pace of play, his indifference to Australia, Australia, his, his um, poor form, his relationship with caddies, <laughs> he hasn't missed. You name it, he's had a crack at him. I saw some ad pop up the other night, It'd probably be a pay-per-view thing, but um, there's a skins game happening up in Japan that Jason Day's part of with Tiger Correct. and um, yeah, Hideki is, yeah. and some other players. So I can't remember who the fourth player is, but what's that all about? Is, it, is that just you, if you want to see these blokes play a, with someone else's money? Line your pockets at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'm but, assuming he'll pick Day, won't he? He'll pick Day and yeah, Sung Jae-Yum. staggered if he didn't. Mm. Yeah. Ben Arn probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know who the picks are going to be. If, I, if you put me on the spot right now, I would say Day is a certainty. I would say that Jazz Janowatonanon is as good as a certainty. No. What? Yeah. Really? Absolutely. He's I mean, had a, a good fantastic player. year. Yeah, but. A lot of guys have had good year. I mean, Newman and these guys have just won on the US Tour the last two weeks. Yeah, but they weren't playing against, like, the elite field. So I'm... They're playing the US Tour. They're not the bums out there. <laughs> no, no, that's very true. Very true. Cam Percy tied 11, Cam Davis tied 28. So Cam Percy continuing to yeah, make some money well. early in the season, which is good to see. And that's It's the golf TV skins game in Japan, Andy. It's Rory McIlroy with McElroy. Day, Matsuyama yep. and Tiger. Yeah, I won't. Anyone going to be putting their hand in their pocket to watch that? <laughs> What happened to that Phil and Mickelson match? Did that die a death after one go? They're not playing that again, are they? Surely oh, they're not. Yeah. They're not playing that again. But Surely not. What a farce that was. Yeah, mm. yeah. Uh, in Asia, Matt Griffin, seven under, JB Kruger. JB Kruger. Interesting player to watch. Yeah. Interesting man to watch play golf, isn't he? If, funky little swinger. Well, little guy, if, yeah, little, tiny little if, man. If yeah. his golf career flops, he could make it down here for the spring carnival, I reckon. He looks like a jockey. He weighs 61 kilos, Andy. Well, is, that a fi- is that official? Fact. Yeah. fact. Yeah. Lock it in. He's an extraordinary-looking golfer. He's standing next to John Rahm, for example. John Rahm would mm. probably eat, eat him for breakfast. Yeah. Well, hopefully not. Um, Matty Griffin uh, uh, tied seven up there, so that was a good result. And Dote, Murray, and Smythe, Travis Smythe, who posted that very interesting social media. What did you make of that, Andy? You uh, brought it to our attention. Well, I thought it was fantastic. Like, stop getting angry with yourself. Stop swearing stop on sweet. the golf course. Hey, I'll tell you uh, he played with. He played with. Did you say that? Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. yeah. Played with. Yi Yang, who my friend Tommy Watson was caring for Yi Yang, and he said, Travis Smythe's a good player, isn't he? I said, Yeah, he's pretty good. Mm. So Tommy was impressed. Okay. Yeah. So he's impressed. had two good results since he's got all Zen on he's, himself and you know, kind of yeah. more he's, yin than Yang or the other way around. Full card in Asia, doesn't he? Is that what he's got? Or is... That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And this he, was a co sanctioned Asia, uh, Japan, yeah, and big tournament. Other Korea. Yeah. It was in yeah. Korea. Is that the one that Dong I assume Matt Griffin was playing because he'd. Japan. No, he'd won there before. Matt won, a, uh, well, he won a three or four tournaments in Korea. Yeah, he has. But I think he, he's 15th on the Japan yeah, um, order everything. of merit, well, so he, he'd be yeah. fine. Yeah, he was there. Yeah. Um, Travis Smythe, just for the record, lately I've been lately I've let too much frustration get to the better of, my, of me get the better of me in Asia. I've played the blame game and haven't been happy with certain areas. 
My coach and I spoke about a simple goal of no swear words. Last week, 21st. This week, 12th. I realized firsthand how important self-talk is. Well, it's, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I think so. But there is – what's your outlet? Like when you're when, – when the – you know, the temperature's rising and you're starting to get a bit hot under the collar. Yeah. What, what do you do? How do you let, let it go? Yeah, it, probably you want to get it out quick and as soon as possible after the shot. So yeah. whether it's a little muttering under your breath or if it's a little, you know, you know, hopefully not damaging the course in any way, oh, but like a little whack to the bag or something like that. Uh, um, you're too young to remember the they're, they're, far, they're much better behaved than we were. Oh, well, was anyway. <laughs> you're not a stress Volatile. Head, no, I'm, I'm generally pretty, pretty calm about it yeah. all. Um, but yeah, if I get it, it's probably just a muttering under the breath. Something like that. Andy, uh, one of Travis Smith's great mates, Harrison Endicott, I promised to do a little bit of homework for you. Uh, he pulled out of the tournament a couple of weeks ago in uh, Europe yes, injured, and yes. I told you I would get in touch with him. Uh, he had a back issue which okay. flared up. He's apparently had it for a little while. It flared up mid-round, so that's why okay. he withdrew. Uh, he's been uh, at Wentworth this week getting treatment so that he can try and play in the Dunhill Lynx Championship okay. right. up no in worries. Scotland. So, yeah. okay. Um, he's okay, apparently, uh, but we'll find out more as that tournament unfolds. And just before we get to the break, the members – I read your piece mm. with great interest, and um, the members' reaction to – the work you've done at Yarra. How's that? Work there. Haven't you? No, no. I thought you were no, doing the work no, there. No, Doug. no, Tom Doug's been doing it. Oh, Doug's been doing it. Okay, so... Um, so you... I wasn't pumping up my tires. No, no, no. Right. <laughs> Both is um, Doug, actually. Well, it, it sounded like it had your um, fingerprints all over it, but um, in terms of kind of ethos and philosophy. No, well, yeah. Um, yeah, we'd have done the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, so he's pulled out. So what are the members, well, saying? Yeah, I, I what are the members call... saying about the work that's been done there? Well, the critics are saying the course is too easy and you can drive it anywhere. For me, as a straight hitter, it, doesn't make, it hasn't made any difference to me. It's no easier or harder. It's just miles better. I remember writing a column without mentioning the name of the course that there was, there's not a single tree on this golf course that will be there in 100 years. Either shortly, uh, well, mahogany gums, which are dangerous and need to be cut down. Kingston, Ethan, Victoria have got rid of them all. Um, European trees, which go into senescence and die. Miserable tea tree in Malaluka, Armillaris, and just junk that just falls over after 20 or 30 years. So at some point, they were going to have to replant the golf course. So it's as much about, okay, let's rip out all the bad stuff, the stuff that is affecting the architecture and the stuff that should never have been planted, and then replant the golf course. So my argument in the, in the piece was that, one of the arguments was that all the clubs were appallingly planted out by well-meaning but not ignorant people, and smart people. It's misguided. But, but who didn't, yeah. you know, and look, you look at the formation, how we developed Australia, everything we introduced here was a disaster pretty much. I mean, that won't be exactly right. Someone will tell us about something that came in. that, But flora and fauna, rabbits, cane, yeah. Car, cane yeah. you know, carp, cane, toads, millions of things that were desert, foxes. Some, block, some guy bought out 24 rabbits. I mean, that worked out. Right. <laughs> it's gone well, yeah. So, you know, and we planted out golf courses the same. We wanted to Europeanize them. Then there was a fad on craze on native Australian plants. So anything that was from any part of Australia was deemed to be okay in the 60s. So we're dragging trees from Perth and northern New South Wales and Gippsland. And no one thought to, let's just plant what belongs here. Mm. Yet if you went to any member and Lucas and I are members at Metro, where there's a massive bun fight now about all the tree removal there. If you said to every member who's critical of the tree removal at Metro or Yarra Yarra, 
do you think the golf course should feel natural? 100% of them would say yes, not 98%. 100% would say yes. The surest way to make a golf course feel unnatural is to plant stuff that doesn't belong. So Yarra Yarra, Commonwealth, Hangendale, Metro, Victoria, Royal Melbourne, not so much. All did that. They all planted stuff that didn't belong. So 80 years later, it's left to the current generation of committees, members, architects and superintendents to deal with the mess that the, the, the planters of those golf courses left. And you give them a free pass because everyone in Australia made the same mistake. They didn't know. Yeah, everyone, right. They just yeah. didn't know any better. Yeah. If we'd come here and so if Captain mm. Cook had come here and said, this is a pretty fragile environment, we'd probably best to leave it alone because the Aboriginals looked after it pretty well. Mm. Nah. So, look, you know, so it's just a, you know, it a great book called Feral Future written by a guy called Tim Lowe. It's called Melbourne, Australia's weediest city. Yeah, right. Yeah. What's a weed? Anything that doesn't belong. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and golf courses are essentially so now Yarra Yarra Metro, Victoria Kingston Heath Victoria went through it. Kingston Heath thirty years ago, Victoria twenty five went through the pain of pulling out a lot of the stuff that should never have been planted. So other and, than, and then replanting it with the with the with the indigenous trees of the area. So other than which makes complete sense to everybody sitting around this table, I'm sure. Other than the time it takes and the intrusion on the golf course. Is it expensive? Or why would people... Yeah, pulling it? out trees is expensive. So, yeah. But people, I mean, at Metro, they love the isolation. My argument to them is that, well... Of the well, the whole, top, you, when you're on one hole, you, you can't see another. Is, yeah. Well, of the top 100 courses in the world, aside from Pine Valley, the other 99 do not champion isolation in any way. And mm. Obviously, the Lynx courses don't, but Augusta doesn't. Royal Melbourne doesn't. Sandhills doesn't. Shinnecock Hills doesn't. Cypress Point doesn't. Sunningdale doesn't. Bolton Heath doesn't. So none of them, you know, the National Golf Links, none of them do. There's... So if you're cutting a golf course through a forest, okay, isolation is going to be a part of the, the construction process. But to mass plant to isolate, it's a disaster. And Metro, for example, where Lucas and I both play, the back nine was mass planted with trees so close together that none of them were any good because none of them had any space to grow into their natural shape. As a younger member, does this mm. make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think as well, like the sandbelt courses are on pretty tight prop- properties in general. So if you're trying to plan them out to isolate, there's... You're going to effectively just going to narrow all the fairways down. You just can't do it. The, the fairways or the properties are just too tight. So, so the surest way to make a small property feel small is to plant it. The, the way Kingston needs a small property, but it feels like a big golf course because they opened it up. Yeah. So Yarra Yarra feels like a much bigger golf course now because it's not cramped. It's not crammed in anymore. Mm. Is Royal Perth an example of that, what you're talking about? Well, that's a, well, it's a, it's another, it's a tiny golf but That's... 40 acres less than Kingston Heath or 30 or 40 acres. So it's a tight so, – but, that, you know, that needs the separation a little bit. The Royal Perth's cramped for an, another reason. Is there are too many fairway bunkers there, which mm. makes that golf course feel small. So the way to make that golf course feel bigger is to get rid of the fairway bunkers and make it feel – because you, you know that course well. Yeah. The holes that feel the best, the ones that don't have any – the fifth and the yeah. sixteen that don't have any no fairway bunkers. bunkers. The, ones that are, yeah. the ones that are jammed – the ones where they've jammed it in to make it more difficult. And the ones that mm. feel cramped. Mm. Mm. And, of course, at Metro, my argument is Joe Charlton, who works downstairs for Golf Australia, Lucas, Sue O, it's their generation that need to fix the golf course. Yep. We're the ones who, well, the generation marginally older than mine were the ones that wrecked it. So we're the ones that shouldn't have a say because the ones who are critical want the golf course to feel good. So purely for selfish reasons for them to feel good about they're remaining golf now, and they don't want to go through the pain of the changing the golf course yeah. to something they don't like because they love it the way it is. But really, 
it's about Lucas and Sue and Joe Charlton and Michelle Huey and that, you know that, that, what we what our generation does is about them. It's not about us anymore because we had a go. And to be critical, we were the ones that screwed it. So why should we have a say in the repair of it? Get Greta Thunberg onto this one, I reckon, Hazy. She needs to get involved in this. Maybe. Maybe, I think so. Um, <laughs> sounds like a microcosmic example of something that's going on at a much bigger yeah, scale around the planet. Which is exactly yeah. her argument. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. Exactly her argument. Um, I think it's great like that, you know, blokes like Lucas, um, you know, get to experience different things around the world and bring back those ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. yeah I've been well, Lucas is the youngest guy on the world, world top 100 course rating panel. Mm. Are you on that? Yeah, I'm on that. So, you know, the future of clubs like Metro is relying on guys like Lucas who understand the game, who get it, who... Yeah, I'll see you've upset Steve you know, Kuypert again this week. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're always having a blue. Well, Can well, you leave Steve Well, Rand Morrison, who's the head of the panel that Lucas and I are both on... Mm. He said, we don't have any criteria because you guys are on the panel because we trust you to know what good golf is. Mm. Yeah. R- rate the courses. Yep. And that's the way every running panel should be done. This criteria, resistance to scoring and ambience and can you buy a pink glove in the pro shop? <laughs> right, okay. like, really? <laughs> Apparently nice pie warmers don't count. Look, we love a nice warm pie. Um, <laughs> we're going to get to a break. Uh, we're going to meet the blind Australian Open champion. On the other side of this, you're listening to Inside the Ropes. The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch a golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen Listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today. The home of Australian golf. Welcome back to the show, Inside the Ropes. Um, a couple of other bits and pieces to get to before we get to the end of the show. And Glenn Nikajewski, I will say, is a name that I wasn't overly familiar with, Hazy, until you told me that we we're going to have a chat to him today. And... Um, having said that, uh, I'm delighted to know that he's about to join us on the show. Yeah, well, it wasn't a name I was familiar with until a couple of weeks ago either, Mari, but um, I had the good chance and really good fortune to be able to call Collier Park, um, where in Perth the Australian Blind Open was held a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. And I had never met Glenn, um, and I just chatted to him, and, he, and I was captivated by him and his enthusiasm. So we, I said to him right then and there, we'd love to get you on Inside the Ropes, and Delighted to say that Glenn Nikodewski has joined us. Uh, welcome, Glenn. Hey, everyone. How is everyone going? Yeah, well done, mate. Congratulations. This is the. Uh, thank Aust- you. Thank you very much. Is it nice to be introduced as the Australian Open champion, the Blind Open champion? <laughs> it's the best. I love it. <laughs> uh, it's well, the best. We, can we, Juicy is the nickname you, you run with, though, Glenn. Is that am I right in saying yes. that? Yes. Well, uh, when we were at uh, Collier Park. Um, I was introduced, well, my name is Glenn Nikajewski, but on the, the blind circuit with the rest of the blindies, they said they introduced me on the tee boxes. This is the 10.02 tee time. First on the tee box, Juicy Fruity. <laughs> oh, and they knew that you knew, you knew they were talking about you. Yeah, yeah, I'm the only Juicy on there. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, in terms of degrees of blindness glenn i mean are you 100 percent? are you where, where where do you sit on that scale totally blind can't totally, see anything right so how do you play 
I need a guide. My caddy, you all guys know who he is, uh, uh, and the, the, the peace partner is Peter Harrington. Yeah, he's a he's a great coach and on the Gold Coast and husband of I mean a great coach in his own right, but husband also of Lee Harrington, who's um, yes a ALPG uh, member and fame and also a yep. great coach. Yeah, I started with Lee first, and then um, at an all abilities game down the Gold Coast at the Glades. And then I started with Lee, and then Lee got too busy on the ALPG, and then yeah, I just moved in on to Pete, and yeah, we just clicked straight away. So, Juicy, were you born blind? No, I was in a horrific car accident twenty years ago, coming back from the Summonats in Canberra. And you'd been playing golf prior to that? Nope. So, so you you have this horrible accident, you lose your sight, every bit of it. And then somewhere in the ensuing period of time, you decide you want to play golf. How did that? How did that happen? Um, all the boy, all my mates that I that I hung that I went to TAFE with, and and every uh, since '95, um, they decided to uh, go to a driving range on a Thursday night. Yeah. And so my mate uh, come and pick me up, and we went to. I was just sitting there, listen, and I I knew how to hit a golf ball, so I was just like. So he said to me, no, Jeff said to me, come and hit a golf ball. I said, oh, okay, no worries. So I just sat there listening to him. He goes, well, what are you sitting there for? Get up. And I said, well, someone has to line me up so I could be hitting sideways. So they're all just sitting there watching me. I'm putting the ball down and they go, yep, bit left, bit left. Yep, whack. Oh, wow, okay. And another one, whack, 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 whack. Just kept getting it. I was like, okay, sweet. I'm going to see what happens. I'm just going to go with this. So I went to found a driving range close to my place. And then I spoke to, well, you might know who he is as well, named Bill Britton. Not spoke a to no, him. No, yeah. Bill Britton, uh, and yeah. so, Bill, Bill Britton, who used to be from Melbourne. Yes. Won the Australian Amateur in 1966, legend. Oh, hello. Absolutely. Yes, 1966, That's yes, it. he did against uh, Sam Sneed and Arnold Palmer. No, the Australian Amateur. Not the Australian Yeah, the Australian Open. Amateur. No, that, well, yeah, yeah, he won the Australian Amateur at Royal Queensland. And I didn't know. Well, Arnold Palmer won the Australian Open at Royal Queensland that year, but Bill won the Australian Amateur. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, terrific player. Yes, he was. So then I started coaching with Bill, and um, yeah, he uh, took me under his wing and showed me the swing and everything. And then I just started from there, then started uh, playing with the Sporting Wheelies, played with them, got more interested in playing golf, and then. Um, found Blind Golf New South Wales and Blind Golf Australia, didn't know anything about it. And, yeah, it just started back in 2010, my first tournament down at um, in Victoria at, at Rosebud. So that was my first tournament. I just, I just took it on from there. And you've been playing constantly since, whenever you can. I, I understand that. But that was, at Collier Park, your first Australian win. That was my first Australian win, yes. But, yeah, I've won... Two state titles. I won the Queensland Open in 2017 and the Vic Open in March this year with Peter Harrington, one by 15. Gee whiz. So hitting the ball is one thing, like, you know, 250 to the bunker down the right, the bike lines you up, you hit your three wood, whatever it is. What about putting? What about putting, Juicy? How do you, you know, if you've got a sort of cross-slope putt or downhill or up, you know, the, the, the many vagaries that – how do you – how do you negotiate your way around sort of slopey, touchy putts? That's the hardest part. I, what I do when Pete lines me up and say if he says a uh, four metre playing three, I said okay. So we're going a bit downhill, and I will walk it out from 
from uh, from hole to ball, and I'll go. I'll step it out for one, two, three, four. Yep, and I can feel the the slope in my feet. Okay. As I'm walking, I go. Oh, yep, I cool. It's a bit right to left, left to right, whatever. So then, oh, what I do if I think it's so Pete says it's a four playing three, I'll set, say I've got to put my feet together like if it's a one meter putt, and I'll go outside right foot to in, in outside my left foot. And if it's a if it's a longer part, a five meter part, I'll put my feet shoulder width apart and go outside right foot to outside left foot. And Pete will just say the speed of the putt, and I'll go I'll putt, and he'll go no a bit quicker, a bit do, quicker. Do you, yep, have to do right the, there. do you have to do the splits if you've got a twelve meter bomb? Oh, it's 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 a, yeah, it's just very much so. It's making sense to you. I mean, Lucas Michelle's in the studio. Is yeah. it's all making total sense to you? Is it? Yeah, I I use aim point. So yeah. aim point's reading the reading the putts with your feet and that's it sounds exactly like what I do in terms of reading the slope um I mean last week I had the best putting week of my life and I didn't really even look at which way a putt was breaking because they're all they're all kind of misleading built into slopes and stuff like that so I just walked down up and down the line felt it in my feet and then kind of went from there so. is that is this resonating with you well my question would be my theory is that we're all the technology we use completely dumbs us down I don't remember any phone numbers my handwriting's terrible we're playing with drivers that are built like frying pans. So when you lose your sight, presumably there are other parts of your senses that are heightened and you, you know, you know, you've lost your sight but your hearing or your other senses that allow you to operate well in the world. And how did you find that played out when you lost your sight? I had to get used to everything again. Hmm. Then once the, I the, lost my eyesight, then I had to thought, okay, I've got to use this sense to get me taste, me touch, me smell me hearing, and then when I'm on the golf course, that's all I'm listening to is Pete. I'm not zoned in on any. I'm zoned in on Pete all the time. When I, I Pete said, switch on when you're over the ball or taking your practice shot. Switch off when you've done your shot. So juicy. Sorry, Hazy. What, what are you? Are you a member of Collier Park? Where, where's the, no, 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 he's a he's he's from Logan or Logan Lee in Queensland. Oh, okay, so he, Logan. Yeah, and Logan. Got, yep. Features all the time on today tonight. There's always something happening in Logan. It's, <laughs> some of it good, some of it not so good. Juicy, but um, yep. that's beside the point. What do you go around Logan in? What's a what are you playing off? Um, I'm of a, I, I play. I don't play at Logan. I play at the um, at, at Gales and Windaroo with ex former NRL player Mark Tukey. Right, eh? So what do you go around there in? I'm the AGU of highest of 36, but mm-hmm. me blind handicap is 47. Right, so okay. that's. Juicy was telling me after the win, Andy, that his goal, and I'm sure he'll get there, I'm certain he will, was to get his GA handicap under 36, mm. which would be a phenomenal oh, achievement, incredible. mate. That would be, I assume, the one of your loftiest goals at the moment. Yes, it is. The lowest for a totally blind person in the world on the blind handicap is 27. Well, that's something to aim at. So what does the Australian Open get you into, Juice? Where, where does that kind of take you from here? At the moment, I'm sitting fourth on the Australian Order of Merit on the Blind Golf Circuit, yep. and it will get me into the Blind Golf World Championships in Cape Town, South Africa next year. Oh, hell. And he's just back this week, Andy, from the Japan Open, also sponsored by ISPS Handa, which yeah, is awesome. who made it all come together in Perth. Um, and for that matter, just on that, the ISPS Handa uh, sponsorship enabled people from every state in Australia to play in that championship for the first time. So it's becoming incredibly inclusive and a much bigger field. It's not just the same three or four people sort of wandering around. It's it's legit. Oh, we've had Christian Hamilton on this show yeah. a couple of times talking about 
um, you know, golf's ambitions to make itself a game that is open and available to everybody who wants to play it. And yep. Glenn Nikajewski's proof of that. Hey, Juicy, congratulations, mate. We'll let you go. It's a hell of a story, mate. It really is. There'll be people. Thank you very much, fellas. No, no, thanks for being part of the show. We really appreciate it. No worries. Good on you. Glenn Nikajewski joining us on Inside the Ropes. That is that is unbelievable. Well, you can just hear the enthusiasm in his voice, and I, I know that he his wife Jody, um, basically is the one responsible for getting him around to different places. Yep. And she when when she can, she'll take him down to the Gold Coast and get to the Harringtons, and he'll play. But he would go down there every day of the week, I reckon, if he could, Glenn. So, well done, mate. Um, and we're really thrilled to see so many of his peers um, competing. Here, Fantastic. Yeah, uh, it's an incredible story. And we're just about done. Um, some sad news in the world of golf this week. Uh, yeah, this is desperately sad. Um, we've had a couple of rough um, trots with people who, you know, we desperately couldn't afford to lose. Um, we've all spoken a lot of, at length about Jared Lyle, but uh, the Australian golf industry has hit pretty badly this week, Annie, about just over a week or so now. Um, Kate Nolan, uh, knee McIntosh, passed away unexpectedly at the age of 44. She was a... Um, Multiple Australian representative as an amateur back in the mid '90s uh, when she was Kate McIntosh, a uh, really good player, turned pro, won an event uh, at Molly Mook um, in her early days as a pro, but settled down to be a, a teaching pro primarily. And she was a lot of things to a lot of people. She was uh, all abilities coach. She was a community instructor. She was big into swing fit for develop young women coming through, and um, was. Uh, a key part of the Albert Park Golf Academy. And, mm. and we're recording this on Tuesday, and it's very sad to say that her funeral's going as we speak. Um, I know a lot of people are really hit hard by this. Uh, it's one of those things. She was just loved and adored by everyone she sort of came in touch with. She had a really common touch, um, able to speak to really good golfers and, and, and uh, you know, adapt with them, but also complete choppers like me, you know, that she could, she could deal with. And, I wouldn't normally read out too many um, comments that we post on this on the page, on the Golf Australia website, but there was one in particular I thought summed it up. It was from Jackie Noonan. Uh, there are no words. I'm at a huge loss hearing this very sad news. Kate introduced me to the game of golf at Albert Park and was the most incredible coach. I was hopeless, yet she always had time for me and the best hints to share. Her Saturday morning come and try intro sessions were not to be missed. She inspired everyone and was great fun to be around. Negativity did not exist in Kate's world. Deeper sympathy to the family, friends, and wider golf community. So uh, her husband, Bernie, mm. and their children are doing it very tough at the moment, understandably, um, and just wanted to like reiterate the entire golf community's um, uh, sympathies to your family, uh, Bernie, and you know just that hopefully this time can pass and, and we'll all remember the great things she's done for golf. Here, here, Hazy. Thoughts uh, with everybody um, here from everyone involved at Inside the Ropes. Uh, it's a sad note to end the show on this week. Um, life goes on. We'll think of Kate uh, in between joining, rejoining you all same time next week. Um, thanks, Lucas, for being part of it. It's been a joy, and we'll watch your story with enormous interest for the coming months and years, no doubt. Thanks Thank for being you. part of it. Thanks. See you soon, Clay. Thanks, mate. Uh, that's been Inside the Ropes. We'll be back next week to do it all again.